0: I have hot water with lemon before I have coffee, I meditate for like five minutes, I pray to the God of my choosing, um, <laughs> and I write a little bit, and I read a little bit of something that is, is, is inspiring me so that I can set myself, and it has changed, like been a, a life changer for me.
1: Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. What I am pumped to talk about today is your career. Because your career, honestly, I mean... No, I feel like, so all these people come through and they're like, what, do you want to talk to this person? Do you want to talk to this person? What I think is so interesting about you, and I'm curious if you get this when you go out into the world, everybody knows your face. Like you have been in so many movies. It's wild. And even when I was like, oh my gosh, of course... Literally two days later I was watching Jumanji with my kids and there you are again. Like you're just can you tell us the story of your career and how you got into this industry?
0: Some people call that um slut, but <laughs> I I like to call it just uh, someone who takes opportunities as they come. I'm so amazed, honestly, still that I actually do this for a living. I've been doing it since I was in high school, junior high, like wanting to be an actor and just like read, I used to read magazines like Teen Beat and I'd be like how to – I always kept wait, looking for – because we didn't have the internet back then. So I'd be like, how do people do this? Right. Like how does someone become an actor? Like how do you get on the TV? And I just – I loved the television and I thought like I want to be on TV. I think I want to escape my own family. i had pretty good family.
1: <laughs> right. And where where was so, this? Where did you grow up? I grew
0: up in, outside of Houston okay. in Katy, Texas. Okay yeah where are you from? I'm
1: actually from Southern California, but I live in Austin. That's why I was wondering if your power we're problems yeah, I was wondering if your power problems were Texas related because we're having all kinds of weather issues here.
0: well, yeah, we've been we've been it's been crazy here too. like um my sister is we're both from Texas, and she's her power's out. My daughter's dad's power was out yesterday or the day before like it's just um we've had crazy. Like snow here, a little little bit of snow, and
1: <laughs> that's right. Talking. Yeah, you guys are having nutty
0: weather. Yeah, crazy tr- trees falling, all kinds of stuff.
1: So you grew up in Texas, very far from anybody who was in the industry and sort of could point you in the right direction. No, and I, yeah, and I,
0: I I lived. My dad was the minister of music in our like Southern Baptist church, and I you know, grew up singing and all that stuff. And then when my, my parents were divorced and I moved to Tennessee when I was like in seventh grade. And I just, I don't know. I, I loved, I didn't really, I wasn't very comfortable in my own skin. So I just, I was we happened to have this amazing drama teacher there at, in the high school. And I'd heard about the Poplar Pike Playhouse. I was like, what is that? That was the theater department at my school, Germantown High School. And I did theater there and I just, I started auditioning for plays and I Never really felt like I was myself until I was like on stage pretending to be someone else.
1: Wow. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. But So you start, you really get the bug, you get to act, you're doing that in high school. And then where does the first like official paying gig, you are in a movie or a TV show, how does that come into play?
0: Well, I went to a school called North Carolina School of the Arts, which is a, a a state-supported conservatory, small, in, and then I did a showcase in New York, and I got an agent, and I started auditioning. And the very first job I ever got, that really was, well, it was, it was. I did a play where I was playing John Malkovich's wife at a theater company called Steppenwolf. Yeah. And then I did a very small part in a movie called As Good As It Gets. I played like waitress number two, <laughs> and I had like two it's a pretty Jack good Nicholson. movie.
1: I mean, that's a pretty good movie to have even a small part in.
0: Yeah, it was I, – I had a small part in that I played – like Helen Hunt was a waitress and I was one of her wait- the waitresses there. And I got to do her off-camera because she was also doing a show called Mad About You. And I got to do her off-camera once with Jack Nicholson and I did her lines and then I went outside and cried by a dumpster So <laughs> I was like, I can't be active with Jack Nicholson.
1: Oh, my gosh. Um,
0: that was one of your first roles. That was my – I want to say – yeah, like the, I did a movie before that, but I don't think it got released. Um, but that was my first movie, movie. And then I did a part in um, her show, Mad About You. I did their final. I finally, like my biggest, like I would say my big break was Galaxy Quest. Yeah,
1: definitely.
0: I played an alien in that. And that was like they had, they didn't know who they were looking for. They didn't know how to cast these characters that they were called the Thermians. And and it's like a cult movie, I would say, like a, a bit of a classic, but um, at the time it didn't do extremely well. But it's kind of people still will be like, oh, I, I love you in Galaxy Quest. That would be the movie I think that put me on the map. And the casting director, did, they didn't know what they were looking for. So she showed me an audition of someone else's. And I was like, oh, I know what to do. And I got cast it. She put her casting card on the Like she took a Xerox copy of it was like, I'm quitting if you don't hire this person. So I ended up getting the job, which is (laughs) How
1: cool. Well, so tell me like in those early days, I I always like – my spidey senses always go up when someone is kind of not on accident and not – it's just luck, but you're – you can sort of see a flow to what you're doing. Like I don't think ever that it's um, an accident that one of your first films was – was with people at that caliber, right? And then you get mad about you. And then sort of it. just in what you're saying, it kind of sounds like there was a flow to it. So do you feel like that happened because you were open to possibilities? You said yes to everything. Like if you could go back to that version of yourself, can you identify anything that she was doing that you think really led to the path where years later you are still a working actor, which I think... The percentage of that has got to be so minuscule to like your actual job is that you get to make movies and TV shows, which so many people dream about and very few actually get to take part in.
0: I would say, you know, I think when I go back to that person, she was so excited. I remember just like, and I feel so lucky, like again, like at the high school that I went, my parents got divorced. is something about like... Tr- things that feel tragic, like there's that whole idea of anytime something happens, it's really painful. There is a growth that happens mm-hmm. from that. And I, I, we left Texas. I was devastated because I, had, I was shy and I had a really good friends. And we ended up in Germantown where there was this amazing drama teacher. And there was a scholarship to this school for the summer uh, to go to North Carolina School of the Arts, which was this incredible school I never would have gone to. It's a very small conservatory. And then they We did a a consortium with, you know, like SUNY Purchase and Boston College and Carnegie Mellon, which was like an audition when I got to New York, which at the time was, you know, all these casting directors and agents came and I immediately got an agent, which is very hard to get. So like that, like all that pushed together. And I just was so, so excited to be doing it. Um, I think, and, and I, was so used to, because my drama, my high school was so intense. Like Mr. Bluestein was this, like he was probably the only Jew in Germantown, Tennessee at the time. Like he was, he was this incredible guy. He was, he thought so differently. And he expected so much of us that I like, I was like, okay, I can do that. And I, if I had downtime, I always wanted to take another class or do something. I had a lot of energy too. I think I a lot more energy than a lot I, I used to certainly. Um some people call it ADHD. <laughs> I don't know that I necessarily had that but air A D D, but I I would take I'd get out I took, you know, sketch classes and um stand up classes. And so when things were when I was things were slow, I would do thing other things. Like I did um I started my own sketch group and I started doing stand up and I uh I would just if something scared me I would want to do it and yeah. be like, oh, it's so scary. I'm going to try it and stand up with something. I thought I'll never be able to do that. And then, and I'm just now, actually, I did it for a couple of years in my twenties and that would lead me to meet people who just, it just, I think it all kind of, I guess, to answer your question that you asked a long time ago, it does kind of, when you look at it in, in your rear view mirror, it does look like this led to this and like you hopped from here to here to here to here. Yeah.
1: But what I find in these interviews, particularly when it comes to artists, actors, comedians, I I feel like I'm hearing the same story over and over, which I always pay attention to because I think there's a wealth of information in it, is I always hear, I was so excited. I was so grateful just to get to try. I always hear people Mm -hmm. say they didn't just Mm -hmm. wait for something to happen, like if they weren't getting auditions, they went and took a dance class. If they weren't finding a part they liked, they would write one for themselves. So there's these similarities that I hope listeners can glean from no matter what your industry is or which way you're trying to make your path. I'm curious too. now these years later, do you feel like you still harness some of that energy in the same way? Or do you feel like your approach to the business is different than it once was?
0: That's such a good question. Do I still harness some of that energy? Well, you know, I had—I really wanted to have kids, but not until I was in my early thirties. And I—I I met a guy. um, A guy who's grizzly bear was in a movie. I did.
1: Right, well, and hold on. I ended up, Hold on.
0: He? Did you know, really I,
1: just say that? He was? Was he an animal yeah. trainer?
0: He was an animal trainer, and his and he grizzly had a show.
1: bear was in your. Okay, that's amazing.
0: I met this guy in a movie I did called Pretty Ugly People, and I did it with like Octavia Spencer and Melissa McCarthy before they were really big stars. And we were all shooting in Montana, filming the movie in Montana. And he was the grizzly bear trainer on the set. I, we're no longer married, but I don't, it, it ended up it just it ended up like I didn't even start dating him at the time. But I I also started a band for a while when things were a little bit slower. And he, a year after we did that movie, because at the time, I think he had a girlfriend. He found me on MySpace a while back. (laughs) And I happened to be checking the messages, which I never did. I just think there's such, you know, kismet in, in in so many things. Like I ended up going back to Montana to do a movie and I saw him and we ended up getting engaged right away. And he did have a, he had a grizzly bear sanctuary. His grizzly bear was like the best man at our wedding, which really just he came to the wedding. I know I tried to have a family with him and I had a bunch of miscarriages. I had like three. And, um, so, and then I, I moved back to LA because our the relationship didn't end up working out. It was really a hard thing to get through. Uh, and then I wrote a show about it. You know, I wrote, show about it and then i finally i was gonna try to make a baby with a sperm donor i got like this brazilian soccer star and then the the embryos were flawed and they didn't work out so then i i was just devastated and i'd finally i I decided my best friend and i were sitting there and i was like should i try again i didn't really have any money left and she was like let's and i my friend had told me about an adoption lawyer that she had met with and so she's like let's just go meet this lawyer let's get you a baby so I met this adoption lawyer and I, I started doing, um, I created a profile and, you know, was selected by birth mother for private adoption and I adopted my daughter. And So here I am now, this is all to say like seven years later, I've, I've had this child. She's incredible. It's been such a journey as anyone knows with children, like it's nothing like you thought it was going to be. It's so much better and worse in every way. And And then for me, obviously, it was such a hard thing to have happen that I put a lot of pressure on myself, too. Um, So now here I am back kind of the last seven years have been primarily about her. I was very lucky right after she was born to have a lot of jobs. And now I'm like back where I'm like, I'm now feeling like I just turned 50. So I'm starting to feel like there's so many different things that I want to do. And I also have been knowing that I need to write something for myself for a long time. And so I've just started kind of doing that again. Like I'm going to go back to like, I'm writing a new standup set and I kind of want to set myself so that I don't have to rely on, because the filming industry too, so much is out of town. So I I find like I'm going out of town a lot. The last three series regular jobs I had were all in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I used to take it away. She was a baby and now, and it's now
1: like she's, she's in, she's in school. school. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet related mishaps come its way. The leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees. Period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com cashbackdebit. Discover Bank member fdic i love a few things about the story that you just told because as many parents i think can identify with this idea there's so much pain along the way having a miscarriage is fucking terrible Mm -hmm. and you can't understand it unless you go through it um and there's a whole uh Process of grief that you go through that people from the outside looking in can't really understand, but to keep.
0: Nor do they really want to. I mean, it's very hard. So to talk hard. about. Yes, Nobody's like Ooh. right. Nobody knows what to say. Nobody it's knows not what to say, about.
1: and it's so. Oh, it's just ugh, so layered. But to keep going in that process, and then to get to the place. At least this is how I look at um, my daughter. Is if I had given up at any point in trying to have a daughter, at like, at, it took all of those missteps. It took all of those misfires. It took every single time it didn't work because in any other scenario, I wouldn't have her. Now, I might right. have, you know, maybe we would have gotten pregnant sooner or maybe I would have adopted a different child. But, like, when I met her, when I finally, like, had her in my arms, I was like, oh, It was you. Like, all of this happened because I was waiting for you. So is there, in that journey for you, what did that process feel like of, I know if I just keep going, eventually I'll have a baby? Or were you just sort of blindly like, okay, one more time. We're going to try one more time and see what happens.
0: I knew that there was someone out there. I did know that. I felt like, and I do say that to her. You know, I, I sing her this song called... Of all of the babies in the deep blue sea, the deep blue sea, the deep blue sea. Of all the babies in the deep blue sea, I found you and you found me. Mm. You know, just this idea. That like, and then I'll go on. We make up all these different songs. But I knew that there was someone out there. I just, I knew it was supposed to happen. I just didn't know how it was going to happen. And I, I didn't think I was going to have, you know. I had one miscarriage and then I thought, oh, this won't be, I don't know. I just. It, it was devastating, and I thought, oh, my God. And then it took me two years to get pregnant again. And I I think it took me a while to know that that was going to happen the way it happened. But I knew there was someone out there, or, or I wasn't going to give up until it happened, yeah. you know?
1: I love that reminder, and I just had the instinct to ask about it because there are so many women in this community who are listening in who will find themselves in the same place that you once were, who I I have so many friends who are struggling with infertility and going through IVF and doing all the things and trying all the things. And it is such a brutal process that so many people kind of walk through in silence because it's not something that's spoken about regularly. So I appreciate your vulnerability and sharing that story. To get to the other side, I love to this idea that I think a lot of mothers go through, which is kind of like In my experience, I had children. And then you would get to a place where you would be like, okay, the world isn't burning down. I've got some kind of system in place. I've got some kind of routine. Now I'm starting to get these stirrings, like in my own heart and my own spirit. Now I'm starting to get these creative impulses that are coming back. Now I'm kind of percolating with ideas that for years, had gone completely underground because you're just trying to survive and like keep a child alive. So as you step back into this creative place where you're starting to think about um, what the next steps are going to be, what does that look like for you? Like, do you, are you meditating on that? Do you actually sit down and do some deep work and figure out what those steps are? Or are you just in the kind of marinating stage?
0: So that's a, a really good question. Uh, what what happened was, I I think it's just in the way that my view of the world has changed quite a bit. And also just for me, one of the biggest, I come from a very conservative family. And yet I have very, you know, very liberal ideas. And I love my family. And we, we love each other very much. And um, I think the divide in our country has made me a little a little sad, uh, a lot sad actually. And that, that I've been, it's been mulling over in the back of my mind. Like, what can I do? What can I do? How do I use what I have for good or to help us sort of, I have this idea that, you know, as much as I respect anyone screaming with their hair on fire for what they believe in and what they're moved and in their heart, Um, to feel and say, but, you know, I look at the rest of the world and look at like what's going on in Iran. And I, I, the the morality police, what, 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 what really is happening outside of our world, our bubble is in some places, very scary and other places, very beautiful. But, and I think like, I feel us imploding on a regular basis from the inside. So it's like, well, what can I do? And so I started thinking about this, this character started like a came up in my mind and she was this like German performance artist. So I started um, improvising her as I would go on hikes and I would play my recorder. That's, that's sort of how it started cool. was she, I actually, mm-hmm. actually first I saw a woman at a friend's birthday party who actually is like a, she's a, a European performance artist. And so she, she did this song and I just, I was instantly drawn to her. And I imagined this other woman who would come as this sort of, she feels herself as sort of like, I'm I'm not, not a savior, but I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you see that you don't see how to save yourselves. So that's, that's who she is. And, and, and she sings, she'll, she does like little bits of songs and she does a lot of, um, Work, like coming into the audience and, and asking them very hard questions, but also like sitting in their lap, you know, <laughs> trying to take them out of their comfort zone.
1: So um, you start – that's really interesting. Like you start – let's say you're going to write something. Does it always begin with you acting out a character or doing the physicality, doing the audio? Does it always start with that before it hits the page?
0: Not always. Um, Sometimes – the last show I did, I did a show when I was 40 – That was a one person show. And I I mean, listen, this is another side of just because I get I've been so lucky and so fortunate to be cast so often. Um, But I've also gone through a lot of intense personal stuff and had some extremely like those miscarriages. I mean, that the debouts of of depression I went through were huge. Mm. And so for me, in order to process it, that a lot of that was about finding humor, um, the humor in it. And the humor in the relationship with the guy with the bear. I mean, that was that was an insane relationship. So I wrote a whole show about about it. I had written a bunch of music, uh, so I wanted to do a show with music. And I, 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 I met a woman and she would give me pr- writing prompts so that that is part of it, too. I've also been very interested in meditation and I have been doing like a meditation teacher training. Um, and it's mostly just for me to get out of my own head a lot, but I, I, so some of it is that like, I'll be inspired to talk about something, but sometimes it's just, if I have an idea, I'll turn the recorder on or I'll just start writing. That's so cool. So I have now hours and hours of stuff that I have to, um, I have to
1: sift through turn into something else. And now for that are you writing stand up is that do you see that as a series or a movie or how does that work itself out?
0: Yeah, I have I have a TV show I have that I've been working on a treatment for and then I have a stand up show and then I also have this one person show. The stand up and the one person show could meld into one thing. Close. Close.
1: Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at progressive.com to see if you could save. the live performance aspect? you miss that if you haven't done it in a while? Or is it something you can sort of, you'd be fine never doing again if you didn't have to?
0: It's so interesting because the before the pandemic, I loved it. And then during the pandemic, I think as all of us did, we kind of had that like self-reckoning, like what am I doing? And then I didn't really want to perform again. And then now I think I do want to do it again. Yeah. So I don't It's. But I definitely want to do it in such a way that I want to, to, to try to affect change. Mm.
1: Well, art and always even, has. Art is is the thing that has historically always affected the way that we look at something or hopefully the way that we're able to see something through a different light or a different lens. And I think it's interesting that this is a concept that you're thinking of. And I wonder if it's something more people are dreaming on. Because I also, the divisiveness that exists in the world, we don't really see anything else modeled. So we don't see any examples of what it looks like. If Mima is super Republican and conservative and voted in one direction and her great-grandson is queer and they're meeting up for Thanksgiving dinner, we typically will only see that portrayed in a really negative, ugly way, but we never see what it looks like. How do you actually soften the edges of someone's heart? How do you actually have Mm -hmm. a real conversation where you talk about ideas and you maybe share a little wisdom and you give your perspective? Like, we don't see that. And I think the way that it has the greatest chance of being effective is honestly, if you see it on like a network show with a laugh track, like it almost it has to come down to the most... Basic starting point so that you can see it through the lens of humor. Otherwise, everyone's ears close immediately and you're not able to take it in. So, I think it's so rad that you're trying to weave that into the work that you're doing because I don't know another way that, at least in America, we're going to see that modeled because that's not what exists on social media. It's all like, I hate you and here's why, I hate you and here's why, and like whoever's better at coming up with talking points is the one who's going to get
0: the soundbite. Yeah, but, and then the soundbite may be only heard by people who believe in the same. Exactly. Thing. So it's, it's it's really interesting. I, and I don't know, I'm so curious as to, I think I'm a sensitive, per, I'm a sensitive person. Like so many things that my daughter will say to me, I am, I'm affected by. And other people will be like, Oh, come on. This is, this is a kid. You know, you're I'm like, "Yeah, it's mm-hmm. you know, and I, I'm, I think that a lot of, apparently there's this idea that maybe 10% of the world is highly sensitive. Um, I, I don't know if this, I don't know where the statistic comes from. It's my friend of mine who's a parenting coach. Uh, so I am so much more affected by, I try to follow people that don't, think the same as me so that I can kind of see where they're at. Yeah. But I am so affected by what people, how people speak to each other um, that I can almost not, like I have to stop watching the news for a while. Right. And it's across the board. Like I consider myself to be closer to the center about a lot of things. Um, And I have to feel like there's a lot of people that feel that way too. Yeah. There's happy. And I think a lot of people don't, are just not moved to be to throw themselves into the into the fire because it is like you say one thing in a, the wrong way right, or
1: right. The loudest voices are the ones that get the most attention, and I think the first time that I saw someone sort of speak to what does it look like for us to be united in some way was when Matthew McConaughey spoke after the Uvalde shooting, and it was. The best speech I have ever, like in years, that someone has given around. Like, I love the thing he said about. I'm completely going to misquote, but essentially, social media wants to make us believe that we all hate each other and we're all divided. And he's like, I just don't believe that's true. I believe there are way more people who are in the middle of this who want what's best for our children, who want what's best for the country, who care about each other, and we have got to find a way to come together in ways that matter. And it's so real, like that conversation is not the one that we're gonna hear promoted most, which is why I think like the arts, acting, comedy, music, those are the things that have always been able to cross a bridge between both sides. So I'm mm-hmm. all for whatever you're creating. I'm here to watch it and be a part of it. So I love that that's something you're working on. So I will say I typically will not do any research before I sit down with someone because I just want it to be a real conversation. If you and I were having coffee, we'd just talk about all the right. things. But I did watch the trailer <laughs> for, for the, this movie. Yes. And uh, so first, my first question is, are you a fan of like horror thriller? Do you like to watch it? Do you like to be in those kinds of movies? Because just watching the trailer stressed me out so badly. Um, I love
0: the idea of being in one. It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, and my character is so benign. I mean, she's well, she's not benign. She's. I was like, she does ridiculous.
1: have a gun at one point. So she's based. She
0: and her husband are based, I believe, on that couple from Missouri who had their weapon. Like she had a tiny gun, and he had a big gun at the. A, BL, at a BLM, I guess, uh, protest. And so they're just, they're just these car- caricatures, these over the top caricatures, which I just thought, I just always find any of that to be funny, just very funny. These, because I'm so sensitive. And so like in the middle, like I'm, I, that I love to play people who are in who are crazy. Cause then I can get some of my own bull jive out, but I don't, I don't watch horror films. I Ever and this one is and this one is stressful, but I, I I think I guess this is it's not really a horror film in the sense that you know it's a super slasher film, which I that would be imp- I can't I, that would be impossible for me to watch. Like I remember I went to Scream with some friends. I Was it Scream? Maybe the first one. The first one. I, I lasted
1: terrifying. about terrifying
0: four minutes in the theater. And then I was like, bye. And they I, all watched
1: yes. and I went to that. Yes. We saw a billboard for it. It was with my teenagers. And it's like Scream 52, whatever number the new Scream movie is. And I can't believe that they're still finding storylines, so yay on them. But I was explaining to my kids, I'm like, I don't know if it'll still hold up, you guys, but when the original Scream came out, it, that was terrifying. That was terrifying. We had never seen anything like that before. Spoiler alert. It's been many years. But if Drew Barrymore gets killed in the first you know, 10 minutes of a movie, we're in trouble. And <laughs> I feel like it started a new genre. It started a new style. And for this movie, for Unseen, it's kind of the same vibe in that I've never seen this concept before. So can you explain the idea behind it? I mean, everyone should go watch the trailer because it's going to stress you out. But if you like scary movies, I do not. I'm ter- I'm such a weenie. But if you like scary movies, I feel like this is like something that you're gonna dig. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, it's also this idea too. Like, you know, we're all on our phones all the time, right? And, and we're all our phones are always running out of juice, yeah, right? Too, and our chargers may be a little old and don't quite work, right? So this this particular movie, there's a girl who, whose boyfriend, ex boyfriend, you know. Uh, takes her in his like the trunk of his car that like, drugs her takes her in the trunk of his car to the place to uh, in the woods and is like she's like I don't love you anymore and then he tries to, he's basically trying to kill her yes and she escapes from him and but she's like Velma and that she can't see anything without her glasses yes so of course glasses get broken and so she does have her phone as she's trying to escape this guy in the woods and she calls the last number I, I may be thinking it's nine one one or she ends up hitting this woman that she accidentally dialed yesterday who's just this this like down on her luck woman in at a working at a gas station in Florida. And so that she's like, I need you to be my eyes to get me out of this situation. So of course the woman's like, no, no, call someone she's like, no just stay on the phone with me. And she ends up trying to help her get out but then her phone runs out of batteries and like her power cord doesn't work. So I'm this sort of like Karen type of woman who comes in to her gas station and, um, she tries to get my phone from me and I don't, I don't, I'm not very pleased with her taking my phone. Right.
1: Right. Well, I mean, in the trailer, the whole thing is like, she's using FaceTime essentially to try and like escape a murder. It's so stressful. I can't, yeah, I can't, I can't handle it. I feel like, like I said, if you're into a scary movie, it's going to be right up your alley. But for me, I
0: was like, I'm just—I'll go watch Dumanji again. We'll just go back. It's stressful. It she does the, and, the, and of course their connections gets back, and it's 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 pretty insane. It's really well well done. It though, looks I have to well say. done. Now, um, where was that one shot? Um, we filmed that right outside of New Orleans.
1: Oh, cool. And do you have um, – when you're signing – this is probably the dumbest question, but the rest of us are not cool actresses, so I'm just going to ask where my curiosity leads. Do you, like – you're trying out for something or they call you and they're like, hey, we have this part. Does where it shooting factor into your decision of yes or no? Or are you always like, yes, I'm in, and then they're like, well, this is shooting in – <laughs> this is in Dublin, this is in Oklahoma City. Oh. Yeah, right? Like – does that factor into a yes or no?
0: It really does, especially uh, especially now because of my daughter, and I don't typically bring her with me as much as I used to because now she's in first grade, and you know. But uh, this one, it, it depends on the time. It depends on how much them how much they're paying, right? And it depends on where it is, you know. And this one in particular was, I think, three weeks. Okay. In is that a lot or a in- little? That's a little bit. Okay. It's not it's too not long. It's not too bad. Okay. You know, uh, I mean, I think I, and I think I was able to go home one time. I went home once. But then it was the longest I'd, I think I'd ever been away from I was away from her for two two weeks. Yeah, that's hard. It's just a lot. Yeah. It's,
1: it's it's a long time. And she's little, too.
0: Uh, yeah, and it's hard to explain. But I, there are definitely jobs. That, it depends on if it's I I worked last year in Mexico City. Oh, I worked fun. in New Orleans on two different for two different jobs. I worked in somewhere in Canada.
1: And do um, you actually enjoy the city that you're in, or are you like a performance artist? Like you stay in the hotel room. You got to protect the voice. You got to protect yourself. Not yes. his, yeah, the instrument. You got to protect the instrument.
0: I love it. I mean, I love traveling around, and I love you know. I, at one point, I was even going to do like a like a blog about running, like running in different cities, and like oh, where are you a runner? I am a runner, yeah. Me too. Yeah,
1: to, uh, we need to be really? running buddies, yeah. Yeah, it's like my – it's my therapy.
0: Me too. Me too. I went running before I started all of this shenanigans with my new puppy. I have a puppy named Chicken <laughs> who's like the cutest – but yeah, I used to run marathons and all that stuff back in the day. Right. How Are you in long distance running?
1: Yeah, I am. I haven't done – I did – the last marathon I did was last year. I did Austin's just because I thought, well, I'm here. Let's try this. And uh, it's very hilly. I do not recommend that. I do not recommend Austin. But I've done LA. I've done a ton Me of halves. Yeah, done a ton of halves. It's a good way for me to like stay in my cardio. If I have a race that I'm prepping for, even if it's a long way off, I'll like stay on it. And if I don't have anything, mm-hmm. I'll just like all of a sudden be winded walking upstairs. So I've got to like stay in it. I
0: know. Yeah. Me too. And I really, if I don't get like 30 minutes a day, my brain goes crazy. Right. Right. It's,
1: and I, I'm sure of- too, in this, when you are required to perform, and you're required to perform in different environments, different time zones, but it's just a lot that's being asked of you mentally, emotionally, physically. Are there things that you do, like you've established as routines in your life that help you turn it on, go when you need to go, do what is being asked of you no matter where you are or what the circumstances are?
0: You know, it's interesting. I started this with this particular movie. I started a wake up thing where I wake up, I have hot water with lemon before I have coffee. I meditate for like five minutes. I pray to the God of my choosing. (laughs) Um, And then I, um, and I write a little bit and I read a little bit of something that is, is, is inspiring me so that I can set myself. And I've been, and that is something that I started doing right before right in the hotel room. Of this shooting, filming this movie. And I've been, um, I'm a little off still, you know, when I'm traveling or sometimes if my daughter wakes me up too early or whatever, but I definitely have continued that. And it has changed, like been a, a life. Changer for me.
1: Yeah. A morning um, routine is so freaking key because it is that thing. No matter where you are in the world, you can tap in. You can always have your journal. You can always have the same beverage. You can always do those practices that are internal to set you up for success for the rest of the day.
0: If my brain is going squirrely, like I will pop on Anne Lamont from yeah. like, she's one of my favorite authors. And I'll just, I'm reading the, her new book. I don't know if it's a new one. It's- because I read It's new to stitch, you. stitch, New to me. And today I was running and mm. I was like, nah. and I was like, I just popped her on and immediately. And I also will ask, like, I'll ask God or, you know, my higher, whatever you believe in, like your higher self. I'll be like, show me how to get out of the, my brain on this. Yeah. You know, I don't want to spend any more time thinking about this. And like, and then I'll have in thought to like, listen to her and then she'll say the exact right thing. Right. This morning's was, um, it was a, a thing that she said about hope inspires the good to reveal itself. And that's Emily Dickinson. That just was that popped up. And I was like, hey, yeah, hope. Okay. All right. Yeah. Anyway, just because if I don't get out of that brain, nothing will happen.
1: Absolutely. Missy, so. I could hang out with you for another hour. But we actually can't because you are very busy and important and you've got to talk to all kinds of people today. But
0: I'm glad that we got to meet. I'm so excited to meet you, and I'm so—I just—I want to interview you. Great. Great. So when I have my own podcast, I'm going to interview you because I—I cannot believe all of the things that that you have done, and I want to know where you get your inspiration. Great. And all of these same questions.
1: Perfect. I'm ready. Whenever you you let me know, I'm ready. I'm just- so inspired by you. Thank so you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So, for any listeners who are loving this conversation, who loved getting to know you
0: better, where can they find you on social media? I'm on at Missy Pyle, um, M-I-S-S-I-P-Y-L-E on Instagram, and you know, I've been really t- a back taking a back seat to my um, Instagram because I just, ugh, it's just, it's hard. Yeah. But I am actually about to start putting some of these. I was gonna
1: say, I was gonna say, like when you were talking about the character, I was like, well, this has TikTok or a reel written all over it. I mean, I know that's probably very vulnerable to put out a character that's still in development, but also it's a really fast way to discover if there's resonance there.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's that's probably what I'm gonna start to. I just I had today, like that next week, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna start doing these little monologues. Like maybe do one a week. And
1: cool. We'll go. All right. Well, we're all going to go follow you on Instagram so we can see what you're up to. Thank you. The Rachel Hollis podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble.